With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR College Podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Justin Michael. I cover the Colorado State Rams. I'm joined by Hank. He covers the Colorado Buffaloes. Well, I guess we normally do. It's going to be a weird fall. Hank, how you doing, my man? Um, I'm doing better. I, I think I-, I saw this coming long enough in advance that it wasn't a huge shock when it hit, even though it still was like a rough day, rough couple of days. Now I'm to the point where it's like, yeah, this is kind of what I expected August 19th to look like. You know, we have the Nuggets playing, the Avs playing, and there's no hope of any college sports, which is what I really want. But again, it's just not a huge surprise to me, but it, it just still sucks. It still just sucks. Oh, it sucks so much. To an extent, I think there was a level of mercy, I suppose. That sounds like a weird way to phrase it, but yeah. I just mean all summer, there's been this lingering level of anxiety of you know, wondering, are they actually going to play this fall? Am I going to be covering training camp? What's that going to look like for me? And now at least, you know, we can just figure out how to proceed, come up with, you know, creative content for the fall and all that. It's going to be super, super interesting. But part of me was a little bit just like, ah, I, I knew this was coming. At least it finally happened. I feel like I've been laying here just, you know, with a wounded leg for the last six weeks and now finally somebody came and put me out of my misery yeah that's basically it and and you have plenty of other stuff going on with the rams too it's not just that there's no season yeah man i I said on the podcast yesterday the the phrase is that you're proud to be a csu ram but right now it's just tough to be a csu ram and it's just been one thing after another man national headlines scandals an investigation that we still don't know the final results of. Now CSU lost their two best players or two of their best players. It's just, it's it's a shit show all around, to be honest. But we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. We're going to talk about the Pac-12 stuff. It, it should be a fun episode. Honestly, just hopping on and, and talking with you is going to be cathartic because like I said, it's just been, it's just been a tough couple of weeks, man. Yeah, it really has. You know, I'll... I will start with this, though, with the CSU guys entering the transfer portal. For, for all you Buffs fans out there, it's uh, McBride, the tight end, who we all know well um, as the guy who was talking all the crap about the Rocky Mountain Showdown. Uh, and then we, we don't need to get into all that. But uh, <laughs> then also Warren Jackson, the receiver. Those are both players who could be playing at bigger schools. They're definitely Power 5 players, like SEC players, all that kind of stuff. I just hope that they wait a week or two weeks before they make a decision. Because I think in that time frame, you could see all those other conferences shut down. And you know what this, the story was last week, all the national guys saying that this is going to be the week, the, the week that we are currently halfway through 
will be when the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 make their decisions. So if you can just hold on to them for a few days, I think you might have a shot at keeping them. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. You know, based on what what I've been told, Trey is pretty gone at this point. He's got some pretty major interest coming, you know, out of the SEC. I'm not sure even all of it has to do with postponing this fall. I think that's a factor. I think McBride, to an extent, just you know wants to play at a at a higher level. It reminds me a little bit of a mid-major basketball player, you know, going from the Mountain West to the the Big East or the ACC or something like that. I get it. Warren, you know, he's going to go pro. He's a guy, like you said, that could play, play at bigger schools. This is, you know, the, the point of this podcast today isn't to be like a CSU versus CU thing, but <laughs> I will, I will say that I, I confidently feel that both Warren Jackson and Trey McBride are better at their respective positions than anybody on the current bus roster. Who And I'm, I'm willing to put Ooh. that out there. So like receivers, I can see it. Like until Daniel Arias gets out there and proves himself, yeah, Warren Jackson's definitely better. Go watch um, Trey, man. Go watch his film. I'm serious. But Brady Russell, I don't think I can put him ahead of Brady Russell. That man is like, and he's a great tight end. I have a lot of yeah. respect for him. This isn't like me taking shots at Brady. That's how uh, highly I think of Trey McBride. I just really wish that we could have seen them on the same field. Obviously, not at the same time because that's not how football works. That'd hey, look. Weird. It's uh, 10.25 in the morning, and Tampa Bay already has two goals, which means I have already essentially lost my first bet of the day. So there's a quick little update on my life. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I just wish that we could have seen the Rocky Mountain Showdown and seen like those two go at it. See if like the Daniel Arias hype is what we think it could be. Like everybody talking about him being like six foot four and the fastest receiver on the roster. And it's just that would have been a really fun thing to pay attention to week one on top of like all the other storylines that be going on. But instead we have like maybe three storylines instead of the dozens we'd normally have. And they're all just kind of sad stories, which sucks. It's not fun. It's not a fun time to be a college football fan in Colorado. It's just like, like we said earlier, none of this was that shocking. You could see the writing on the walls for Weeks, months, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't It doesn't make the pill any smoother to swallow. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. One thing that is smooth, though, Henry, Manscaped mm. and their products. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. You, you, Maybe. You've been a big proponent. You've probably, in terms of our staff, I would say you've been the biggest Manscaped promoter that we have tell the people why they should support this amazing company because oh wow i don't even know where to start there are so many options i mean first of all because they're really good products and they're great value plus if you use the code dmvr20 you can save 20 percent off your purchase and get yourself free shipping so let's just get that out of the way right now great value on great products that like do things that no other products do but i think there's a lot more to manscape than just like what they sell you because i don't know what I really appreciate is that Manscaped gives me the opportunity to go to the DMVR bar, sit down at a booth with whoever's there that day. And if Allie's one of them, then she can just like yell at me for talking about my Manscaped products. Like I can say like, wow, thank goodness for the crop preserver. Am I right? And she'll just get so upset and it is so much fun. And then it turns into everybody else like 
saying like how much they love Manscaped and then making the people who are uncomfortable talking about that stuff uncomfortable. It there's just so much there. And obviously, like you buy it because you like the lawnmower 3.0 and it's a great trimmer, like 7,000 RPM, nick free, whatever. The the crop preserver is like the ball deodorant that's the best in the game. But the ability to talk about Manscaped is just as valuable as any of the products in my mind. You're a weird dude, Henry, but I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> I think we we really border that fine line of too much crotch talk, but that's okay. You know, a fellow's got to be aware of of that sort of thing. And as long yep. as long as we stay on the right side, I think we'll be okay. Yep, I agree. DNVR twenty get twenty percent off. Shout out to Manscaped. Their body wash kicks ass too. By the way, it's it's yes, really, it does really clutch. Yep. All right, I, I'm curious. You know, we we've talked you know briefly about Trey McBride and him wanting out. Are you worried at all about the potential of any Buffs players being poached? One, you know, because there's not going to be a fall season, or just in general because it gives them you know more time to consider their options. And two. Do you think that players should be able to transfer out if their conferences aren't playing? Is it fair to punish those players for decisions that were out of their, you know, control? You know, it's a that second one's tough. So we'll start with the first one. Um, are players considering leaving? Yeah, they are. Um, you know, Carl Carl Durrell has told us uh, the media that he has told like like Katie Nixon, for example, Katie Nixon, Nate Landman, they both wanted to talk to him after the decision was made. They said they want one-on-one meetings just to like, you know, go over their options. And and what he said was that he told them they should be patient and that they should kind of trust the process, wait to see how things play out, get all the information and then make a decision. Don't rush into anything. Um, and I I think that that's the right re- approach. I think that uh Obviously, we're seeing that work so far because uh, they have not entered the transfer portal. But I do think that if somebody does enter the transfer portal, it it will be because the fall season was canceled. I don't think there's anybody who wants out for any other reasons. Um, to, To move on to the should they be allowed eligibility, which is something that Lane Kiffin was pushing for loudly on Twitter it's just like, I think they should have the opportunity to play. We shouldn't be restricting them. It's like, yeah, now you're joining this side. After like the way college coaches like only think about what is best for them in that one moment, whenever it comes to any of these decisions, it just, just drives me crazy. But Lane, I Lane's know. support for this is, is definitely motive driven. This, this has nothing oh, yeah. to do with Lane Kiffin wanting to do right by the players. It has with he's trying to rebuild Ole Miss and you know, the easiest way to do mm-hmm. that, let's bring some more experienced players in. Yep. I just, I don't know. I, uh, I think th- I lean towards saying, yeah, if you want to transfer, then transfer. But my concern is that, I mean, essentially they don't have all the information yet. And I, I think that, you know, uh, my, uh, there's just so much to it. I don't even know where to start. Like the, the thought that the reason that you guys aren't playing isn't because we are trying to protect you. Like 
sorry, football players, that's not what this is. It's so that you don't get it and then go into the classroom and spread it there. Go to the grocery store and spread it there. Go out to eat and spread it there. Like that is the point. Like it's not about saying, no, you guys don't get the right to decide the risk. And so if it's really about like protecting other people, allowing the student athletes who have been told like, hey, this isn't safe to go somewhere else and play football. Like even though they have determined that it is safe, like it's just the lack of unity among how all of the college football conferences see things and are approaching things is what's causing the real problem. And I think that, you know, the SEC could easily, even if they know that they're shutting the season down, which I don't think is the case. I, I, I think it's 50-50 at this point, honestly. Maybe even more likely than not that the SEC does play. But the fact that they could in theory, you say, okay, we, we know behind closed doors, we aren't going to play this season, but we're going to say that we are so that we can poach these guys. And then we'll cancel after we've all poached guys. Like it's that kind of stuff that makes it hard for me to just say, yeah, give them eligibility, which is the stance that I take literally every time, except for maybe right now. And I'm just not sure what my opinion is right now. That's a really fair way to put it. I think you covered, you know, both sides, which is, important yeah. it, it is a tough situation because I'd, i i really don't know where i stand either you know I, I don't think it's fair to players that want out and want to try to play at at on the other hand you know the entire waiver process is just a total disaster anyways it's basically mm-hmm. the wild wild west out there it it's, is we're, we're just un, in unprecedented territory and i've said that so many times i'm starting to annoy myself at this point <laughs> I think this is a good way to segue, though, into one of the things we wanted to talk about, which is the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. You know, you talked a lot about how right now part of the part of the problem with everything going on in the NCAA with college football is that there's just no consensus. You know, some leagues are trying to play in the spring. Others are pushing forward. It's total chaos. It's total anarchy. You have the Big Ten with who decided to postpone, obviously, but now there have been a bunch of reports about members, you know, seeking outside opportunities to play Ohio State, Nebraska, Iowa, these type of programs, you know, potentially trying to play as independents or in the Big 12 or something. And then you have, you know, the the Pac-12, which has essentially been very united, I guess, in this entire process. And I think the the Pac-12 kind of gets looked down on at least in terms of, you know, the national college football conversation. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think the Pac-12 might actually look a lot better than the Big Ten because at least they're sticking together. Yeah. Uh, like, I, it's just chaos in the Big Ten. And I think for the most part, that's died down and everybody's accepting the circumstance. And I don't know why that is, whether, like, somebody in the Big Ten just said, like, if you guys keep doing this, we're going to have some serious problems. And I don't know what we can do about those problems, but we just can't handle this. Or if it's them just realizing like, oh yeah, the, the spring schedule could actually work out pretty well. I'm not really sure. It does seem like it's died down, but yeah, that's a bad look for all of them to just like, is Nebraska secretly trying to schedule games? And then from the Colorado side, like here are the rumors like, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe Colorado is trying to get in on this stuff too. Maybe they're trying to work with Nebraska and Iowa. And it's just like, no, for the, the Pac-12 really did. The the day that they said that they weren't going to play this fall, Larry Scott told the media when asked, like, is there any possibility of this? It's like, no, there is not at all. We are all on the same page here that this is right. The reason we made this decision is because we have the best doctors in the country 
and we are trusting them. And, you know, I don't know whether the best doctors thing in the country is true, but it's the claim at the very least. And so that, and then the next day hearing from Rick George, who said, no, we are not looking at any other opportunities. And Colorado really was the school that it seemed like they could try to play, like to try to get in with all the other schools that are like right across the border, across two borders, because I don't really know where all these states down here are. Dude, okay, so this is unrelated. But uh, I was looking at a map, like I think it was last week, and I saw Missouri, and I was like, wait a minute, there is no way this state is that far north. Like I had always thought of Missouri is like right next to like Mississippi. Like if you told me that like the Missouri coast was very nice, I would be like, huh, I might have to check that out sometime. I wouldn't think like, no way that's landlocked. Not a big geography guy, Hank, huh? No, I, I just had no idea because it feels like, like, cause they're like an SEC school. They would be down South. I mean, it's just <laughs> on the other side of Kansas, man. I know. And, and th- yeah, like I would not have imagined that. And then I guess like Kansas City and all that stuff. But yeah, that, that doesn't matter <laughs> at all. But that that just popped into my head again. Um, but thinking about Missouri a lot recently. But uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, Dude, I'm a little bit off the rails. I think it's a... It, I mean, it defeats the entire purpose of having a conference if you have members, you know, very openly yeah. defying their league. I think it makes your league yeah. look really weak. You know, we joke about the SEC, and and obviously there's there's plenty to joke about with the SEC. But even the SEC, I think, has looked better than the Big Ten in this regard because you know at least their their approaches have been uniform, and it's just been very interesting to me to see the Big Ten, which has all of these you know, prestigious universities and really highly touted football programs to be in such disarray because, you know, we kind of view the Big Ten as maybe even more like the the slightly more intelligent version of the SEC. I don't like phrasing it that way. Yeah. But I just mean with the with the way that they choose to operate and stuff. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the part of the country and, you know, difference in philosophy, school presidents, all that kind of stuff gets kind of complicated. But it's just weird to see the the Big Ten so chaotic. Yeah, it, it really is. And I just don't I just don't know what's going to happen. Like I, I really think that what the Pac-12 needs to do is reach out to the Big Ten and start planning something for the spring. Like put together some sort of proposal. And I know that like that sounds weird because they wouldn't really need to work together on that. But if they did, I think that they could make something happen. And you know, RK and I on the Buffs pod last night were talking about the potential for, you know, some sort of playoff in the spring that, you know, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten could put together. And maybe you include the winners of all the conferences that play in the spring. And you start to put this together and, you know, put some pressure on the college football playoff to say, this is irresponsible. We're playing in the spring. Look at what we're putting together here. We can make this work. And it'll be an expanded college football playoff. We can put it, bring in like six teams or eight teams, depending on however you want to structure it. We'll play an eight-game season, which is short, but throw on a little bit extra on the end to, you know, and, and I think that there are some really good, fun ways you could approach this. You know, I, I think Bama said yesterday that they're allowing 20% of the fans into the stadium. Yeah. So, 
So, I mean, if we don't know what the spring is going to look like, and that is a very important caveat to all of this, but if things do go well and you play a spring season and it's only eight games, plus you have like an expanded playoff or something like that, then the eight games at full capacity or even 50% capacity is going to be a lot better than the 10 they have scheduled now at 20%. Like the spring just makes so much more sense for a lot of reasons, except for, I guess, if you have like a bunch of NFL guys, but I think, I think that NFL needs to go to a two, three round draft for next year in the same way that the MLB, because the players that they were drafting didn't get to play a season. They, had the five round draft instead of the 40 round draft. You know, I, I think that of the SEC, ACC, like they might think they're making a whole bunch of money and this is like the super smart we're going to push through because our fan base isn't going to cancel us or whatever if we push through. They're just being hard headed and not even like I think making the correct financial decision by trying to force this season in. But yeah, I, I think the Pac-12 Big Ten, you come up with some sort of plan. You say, hey, here's what we have going. College football playoff. If, if you guys, and you know, it's the conferences that decide what the college football playoff does. Like that's who's in control. Like a, a, I think it's like one representative from each conference with a few other neutral um, people. Like put some pressure on them to move it to the spring. Like say, here's what we want to do and see what happens from there. The playoff getting involved would definitely be significant. I think you would need some loud voices coming out of the SEC for that to happen. Probably the Big 12 as well. You know, schools like Texas and Oklahoma. For some reason, Texas still has all this power over college football. Are they yeah. back? Who knows? Probably not. I just want to make a joke. I wanted to feel a little normal. <laughs> feel a, hook them. Hook them horns. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> Isn't that what? There's like a Ram thing too that you oh, do yeah. with your hand. It's oh, like it's hook you, them, you but just, just copied like it, but it. then just bent them over. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Is there like a phrase that goes with that? No, nah, I mean, it's, you're just ramming. These are more like hooks than the Texas horn thing. You know? I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Uh, we can move on from that dumb conversation, but uh, I don't know. I just, you know, the, the conferences control the college football playoff. That's the way it works. And each conference has one voter. They There are some like neutral people in there who come from all sorts of different places. I don't think Condoleezza Rice is still on there, but she was on the college football playoff committee there for a minute. But like just random people who are supposed to be like smart and successful in their own regard. And they come in, combine that with a representative from each conference. And then when that's the case, and most of the conferences have said, it's best if we play in the spring, Tell your representative in the college football playoff committee to go into those meetings and say that same thing because the SEC doesn't have more of a say than the rest of college football there. They kind of do, though. Like You, you think so? I, I really do. I mean, I, I don't have any way of quantifying or guaranteeing that or whatever, mm -hmm. but I just... I don't know. We see how this, how this stuff always works, and a lot of it is, is driven by... TV money and the SEC's got a lot of fans, a lot of fans, a lot of TV money. That kind of stuff has power. Uh, I just, but. I just don't. The I, at this point, I I don't understand why you're clinging to the fall if you're those conferences. I think part of it comes from the argument that there's really no guarantee it's going to be better in the spring. 
That's true. And it, it could be worse. I think everybody hopes so. And and there seems to be some some positive traction with with testing and, and making it more affordable and quicker and all of that. And that that'll be huge. That'll be significant yeah. for college sports. But there is no guarantee. And I think that is a fair argument to bring up. Yeah. I just I just hate right now. Like <laughs> the whole like sitting and waiting to see what's going to happen. It's been a Ugh, long year. So it's gonna get longer. I'm so sick of it. I've just been sitting and waiting for so long. The only good thing that's happened in 2020 is the legalization of sports betting in Colorado. That's yes. been amazing. Henry, what have you been what have you been betting on? I mean, we got the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, the MLB. UFC, it's it's been incredible. What have you been betting on lately? I've been betting on all of it. If I'm being totally honest, it's become like the second full-time job. Like I sit here, I do my buff stuff. I do my other stuff with the MVR, but also I have the TV going all day. And, I, and that means that I know what's going on in like every playoff series, NHL, NBA, because I've been watching like every game and uh, I've been making some money off of it. You know, last night, the DMVR bar, uh, had the Blazers to win. Those were some pretty great odds. Um, Watch. I also had Dame to put up over 34 and a half points. Easy he money finished, on that one. He finished with 34 on the dot. Oh, man. And they, did, they didn't foul him late. That's what I thought too, though. Easy money. And then he played so well. Ugh. Okay, so that one frustrated me and I, I, I did lose that. But, you know, for the most part, I've gotten this new strategy, which is like, watch these games, make a couple bucks. Like I have five bucks on this um, blue jackets game and it's two one by the way i didn't mention when they scored so i'm feeling better feeling better it. that could have been two two but um then once i like make a couple bucks then i start parlaying it with the next like nuggets or avs game because those teams are just going to win consistently for a while i think that they've proven that at this point and so like you you go up 20 bucks on the day you're like okay 10 bucks i'll throw it on the nightcap in this nhl slate Parlayed it, parlayed it with the abs to win. And all of a sudden you've got 30 bucks, 40 bucks on the abs game without having to wake up and make a bet in the morning. So that's kind of been my strategy and it's been going very well for me. I like it. I like it. Well, sure. The regular season is fun, but only one thing can compare to the excitement of basketball's playoffs and having some skin in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. To celebrate basketball's first round of the playoffs, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you an amazing free bet offer. All you got to do, take 20 bets, make some bets on the NBA, and they'll give you a $10 free live bet. Super clutch. I've done this like three days in a row, having Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Head to the app right now, check out all that they have to offer, including player props, quarter-by-quarter betting, so much more. You can even bet on whether you know the next basket's going to be a two-pointer or a three-pointer. It's exhilarating. It's time-consuming, but it is exhilarating. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Just took a little bit of money out the other day. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a free $10 live bet when placing a bet of $20 or more on all first-round playoff action. There we go. Oh, got to do the end. Must be 21 or older in Colorado only. <laughs> Other terms and conditions and restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Forgot the call to action. Always got to scroll down, guys. Always <laughs> scroll down. Whether you're reading an email, 
reading a promo, make sure that you're at the end of the page. Great advice, Justin. It's what I'm here for. I made a lot of terrible life decisions. I'm bringing the wisdom to the people. We're going to wrap it up. We're just going to talk kind of... I mean, we've been talking a lot, obviously. But we're just going to shoot the breeze a little bit about Colorado sports. We have the, the DNVR sports podcast, which is awesome. Definitely check that out. But Henry and I don't get to be on it as much as some of the other guys. So we want to give our takes on the Nuggets and the, and the Avs and the Rockies. If you don't like Denver sports, you know you could tune out here at the end. But why would you? You, you made it this long. You're, you're in at this point. You're committed. Also, if you only care about college sports, well, there's some bad news for you. And that is that there are no college sports. And so your options are sit at home and watch sports or sit at home and not watch sports, which sounds a whole lot less fun to me. You can watch some old sports. I, I've been watching, you know, some old CSU games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that, that's almost worse because then it's you get the salt in the wound. And it, I feel like Sarah McLaughlin should be playing in the background and I should be crying or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just I miss it already. It's terrible. It's terrible. Like I I got a taste. You you forget how short college football seasons are because they really are short. I mean, what the Buffs had six home games last year. Uh, one of them was actually like the Rocky Mountain Showdown, so it was kind of a road game. And so the Buffs only had five home games. And to think that I have only been to Folsom Field five times in my life to watch football, and it all ended like nine months ago. It's so weird to think how much of a connection I feel like I have, where it's like I need to be back there doing my job. Like that is what I'm good at. That is the thing that I've been trained to do is go to those football games and like report from football games. And I just cannot do the thing that I've spent so much time figuring out how to do. It is it is just like ripping my heart out every day. No, not every day. About every 10 minutes. <laughs> it's been... <laughs> I think it's been eight years since there was a fall in which I didn't go to more than six CSU games. So it's been wow. It's been a long time. I've only missed, you know, two home games since I moved to Fort Collins in 2013. Wow. It's just been, I mean, my life, man. It's been everything that I do. That said, we don't want to sit here and, and pout too much at the end because the abs, oh, the nuggets, <laughs> they freaking rule. The kick-ass man, Nathan McKinnon, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray. There's Kale McCarr. There's just so much awesomeness happening right now. I, I almost can't even take it. It's almost stimulation overload at times. Yep. Uh, I, I, I think that what we should do is basically give a recap. For those of us who are not Nuggets fans or Avs fans, or even the Rockies, I mean, they've slowed down a bit in the last week, and that's been like painful to watch in the way that the Rockies are always painful to watch. But they're still in great position, especially compared to what we expected of them this season. And so that's going on too, and they deserve some attention as well, especially when the the really underrepresented teams in uh, Denver sports media, Colorado sports media, are the Buffs and the Rams, and they aren't even playing. And so, you know, if we're pushing hard, I feel like that's kind of our role, me and you, Justin, is to be like, hey, guys, pay attention to college sports. Yeah, don't like, forget about them. They, they're they're yeah. still here. People oh, we're, I mean, we're going to be pumping attention. all kinds of oh, Buffs yeah. and Rams content. We're going to get creative, obviously. And if there is other college football, we'll talk about that too. I will say, though, in terms of 
you know, title run. It, it's been a while since I've felt like a Colorado team of any, you know, professional collegiate, whatever had a chance to go all the way. We got two teams that are probably capable of it. I think the abs probably more capable. so than the nuggets. I, but I, I, yeah, I don't know, man. I think they you look have pretty to say freaking that. lethal. It, yeah. The nuggets are very much in the race to the top of the NBA. I think that if, if you weren't bought in on them and I honestly had my concerns up until we can even call it yesterday. I mean, you, you watch them play that first game against the jazz and you're like, yeah, the jazz just gave them the best shot they can give them. And the nuggets were able to win. There you go. MPJ was off. Uh, Yoke didn't do everything that he typically does, including hit a game winner. He is the most clutch player in the NBA by all of the stats. You don't hear about it because you know, they aren't playing in LA or he did whatever, but he, he by the numbers has like the most game winners is the most efficient on game winners, all that kind of stuff. And he missed one. They wind up pulling it out in overtime. But then yesterday you see the Lakers look like, what we've been kind of saying that they've looked like the, their first five games in the bubble were the was the worst five game three point shooting stretch of any team in NBA history. That's Yikes. how bad that team is at shooting. And then you watch them last night, and they're that is not a good basketball team. Like I don't know, and why everybody's saying like the Lakers are going to win the titles. Like, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? Like, if you want to tell me the Clippers are going to be too good for the Nuggets to beat, I can listen to that. But if you're going to tell me that they can't beat the Lakers, can't beat the Bucks, can't beat really anybody else, I just don't think that you've been watching any of these basketball games. It's going to be really fun when we end up with a Portland-Orlando NBA Finals or something, just two eight seeds, just something super quirky. The parody has yeah. been awesome, and that's made the that's made a lot of these games really, really entertaining. I agree, though, man, about the Lakers. I love LeBron, one of my favorite athletes of all time, definitely one of my favorite basketball players of all time. I do feel like, though, we're just, you know, the national narrative is kind of just being directed around the Lakers are the best team because they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They have two yeah, of the most talented players in the league, no doubt, but they don't play well as a team. They can't shoot. They're not great defensively. Dwight Howard is a great athlete. And he, he's done some good things this year to kind of revive his career, but he also plays really wild. You know, he picked up five fouls really early in that game. Yeah, that was crazy. I just, did he have, he might've had four fouls in the first quarter. Definitely the first half. It, it might have been Definitely early in first the second half. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was really bad. I just... Uh, the AD stuff, everybody wants to say, like, yeah, he's the best number two in the league. And I just... Like, yeah, he's good at basketball, but what has he ever done to make you think he's going to go win a title? Like, he had his opportunities and... What he did? They make the playoffs once, twice while he was in New Orleans. Never got out of the New first Orleans, round. Never got out of the first round. It's just like, why are we so quick to be like, yeah, he's a guy who can go do it. But meanwhile, everybody hates on like Russell Westbrook. And it's like, yeah, both of them can put up crazy stats in the regular season and haven't proved anything in the playoffs. What is the difference there? And if you say it's like LeBron and Russ, then everybody's going to be like, oh, well, I'm not so sure that Russ can do it. It's like, I just, uh, because AD is big because he, I, I honestly don't understand the Lakers love at this point. <laughs> Davis has a ton of skill, man, especially for somebody of that size. 
but you, I think you were, I think it's really fair to, to bring up the point about he's kind of crumbled in the big lights, at least from what I've seen throughout his career. The Lakers don't scare me as a Nuggets fan. That That's just where I'm at. Long story no. short, all of the last, you know, five minutes we've been rambling, Lakers don't scare us. They really don't. No, Cooper, not at all. I, Paul George, that's a good team. They're stacked. They that play is. well as a unit. They shoot well. They play defense. That's a way better team than the Lakers. Yep. And the question there is, can Yoke be consistently good enough to force them to play bigger than they want to? You know, can can he just back down Montrez Harrell, shoot over Montrez Harrell, force them to put, like, I don't even know who they put on the fort. Zubox, is he their center? Is he? I, I can't remember. But, but the point is, like, sure, they can go with their, like, point guard and then four guys who are six foot six, six foot seven, whatever, until they see somebody like Jokic who will beat them every time down the floor until you see MPJ who can shoot over, like he's shooting in the face of like guys who are even bigger than that. I, I, the Clippers do look like a better basketball team than the Nuggets, but I want to see how the matchups play out because I think that you can make a case that the Nuggets match up pretty well with that team. I think that's fair. I'd feel a lot better defensively if you had Gary Harris and Will Barton. It is mm-hmm. what it is. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting ride. The coming of MPJ has been so much fun. I mean, we're we're literally seeing him, you know, turn into an NBA superstar right in front of our eyes. And he probably wouldn't have been getting this many minutes if those other guys were healthy. So, yeah, that's exciting. Jokic has been a killer. I'd love to see his mindset. Jamal has been so clutch. Yep. If, as if all of those guys play to their full potential, Denver is as dangerous offensively as anybody in the league. Yep. Maybe I, I would say more dangerous offensively than anybody in the league if they all play to their potential. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say. I mean, there are some really yeah. good teams. Right? Houston offensively is just nuts. They mm-hmm. do some really annoying things to watch as a as a basketball fan, but they do. James Harden, man. All right, yeah. let's let's wrap it up here though. We've been we've been rambling. Oh, also the Avs. Oh, the Avs are pretty good. I give too. a shout out to the Avs. Yeah, they're the best team in the NHL and they're playing like it. They uh put up Oh, so they they did lose one game in the first series. That was because Darcy Kemper saved like 52 of 53 shots, which is an absurd number. The Avs outshot him like 53 to 25 or something like that. Will never happen again. Darcy Kemper has just been incredible. But then in the last game, um, when he was coming off that huge high of that game, uh, the Avs put in three goals in the first period. Uh, They chased him out of the game by uh, the end of the second period. They thought, oh, yeah, let's throw in Auntie Ranta and see if he can turn things around for us. And then Auntie Ranta came in to play the third period, and the Avs scored 30 seconds into that period, and then they scored two minutes later um, to show that Auntie Ronto was not going to save them and wound up winning seven to one. So that's where the Avs are. They're about to close out the series today. In a lot of ways, that that solo Phoenix win where Darcy Kemper just went off, it was a lot like Donovan Mitchell's performance in that Utah yep. game. It was just the difference was the Nuggets found a way to come out with it. Yep. But you know, as the as the Avs guy said, as AJ said on his podcast, that that way of hockey was just never sustainable. Yep. Even if even if Phoenix somehow extends the series again because Kemper just plays out of his mind, like they're just, they're not that good of a hockey team. No, they're not a good hockey team. And the Avalanche are, they are the best team in hockey and they have the best player in hockey. I don't, we already did the whole Lakers rant, so I don't have to go on my Connor McDavid rant, but uh, you can stay tuned for that next week. Maybe we'll see.
<laughs> hey, McKinnon's still going strong. I'll say that. Drop the and mic. he's winning fights. He isn't soft. Oh my god! Throw that out there. McKinnon Maybe that's my is such a strong like. Nobody <laughs> gives Jokic or McKinnon the credit for how strong they yeah. actually are. Yeah, he tossed that dude around like a rag doll, just feeding it one, two. Uh, uh, he put him awesome. on the ground three times. He grabbed him. He shoved his face into the ground. Let him get up, and then spun him around in a circle by his jersey a couple times, put him on the ground again, and then just kind of sat on him and then stood up and just didn't let him stand up. That poor man thought that because Nathan McKinnon is the fastest, uh, second fastest player in the NHL, that he was just like this softy. But no, we see every game, the same way we see Nolan Arenado making some ridiculous play at third base every game, we see Nathan McKinnon put a guy on his butt every single game. And, And then somebody has like the gall to go up to him and try to... Fight him. I just, I just don't understand what you're expecting. And the guy got what he deserved because he's going after the best player in hockey. The thing about McKinnon is he's just always going harder than everyone on the ice. It doesn't matter if it's zero zero or if the abs are up five to one. That dude is going to skate hard. He's going to pressure you. He's going to fire shots. He's going to, you know, get involved in the four check. And if you go after Kale McCarr, his son, he's going to come at you with the wrath of an angry dad and beat the living hell out of you on the ice. I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to be manhandled like that by another dude on national television. That dude's parents were watching him get his ass beat like that. Yeah, that's got to be embarrassing if you're that guy's dad. How do you go Uh, home for Thanksgiving dinner after this? You don't. You don't. You cannot be that soft and show your face anywhere. Same way I feel about the Lakers. But uh, yeah, like Nate, this is about to be a special run for him. He, uh, He is going to have some moments some some games that become legendary in this run. And I'm not sure if they're actually going to win the cup. I think if they aren't your favorite to win the cup, then they've got to be second at the worst. And after seeing him play, I think you got to say that they're the favorite. Even if they lose in the Western Conference Finals, whatever, Nate is going to win a couple of these games all by himself. And there are going to be things that I remember from this run that I, that I remember for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, this is super, it's super meaningful. And, you know, to, to, to relate it back to college football here before we go, I think that's what's going to make it really hard for college football fans is watching the excitement of all these other sports and thinking, you know, like, could we really not make this work? But, you know, we've talked about it at length on each of our individual podcasts and together. It's just the difference in the bubble scenario. And, and we're not going to get into, you know, all that COVID stuff, but as, as exciting as all of this NBA stuff, NHL, the NFL, MLB, all of it is, I love it. I'm going to watch all of it. There's, there's going to be a part of me every single Saturday this fall that just feels slightly empty. And I, and I don't think that's going to go away. It's going to be ugly. I'm not... But the day that the Buffs were supposed to uh, play the Rocky Mountain Showdown, that's going to be a tough one. Um, the, we should just get Texas blackout A&M on that day. Game. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Super professional talk here, but <laughs> I, there'll probably be like some abs, nuggets, games, that kind of stuff. And we'll go to the DMVR bar and pretend that that's where we really want to be. I mean, if, if you got nothing else going on, go check out some of these watch parties at the DNVR bar. They are lit. Also, here's one more thing that's totally unrelated. Um, you know, there's that Geico ad now that... Uh, it's like Rocky and Bullwinkle and it's, it's a terrible ad. Well, 
the the there's like the scenery right behind them. That's like literally an hour from my house in Montana. And the first time I saw this commercial, like uh, you know, there's we're still working on like some sort of like DNVR company trip up there, and my mom wanted to get like cabins on that lake with that mountain right there. And I was trying to hold a conversation. You guys know how I struggle with that without letting my mind wander already. When that ad popped up for the first time, I was like, "Wait a second, that's my home." And so there's a little fun fact. Shout out Montana. <laughs> yeah, shout out Montana. You're a Montana guy now too. You said that yesterday. Yeah, I'm I'm adopting Henry's alma mater as my FCS team. I'm all in on Montana. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get a hat, a hoodie, whatever. I'm gonna be all in Ooh. on this. We're Let's just do we're, it. Go Grizz. We're in. I will uh continue to not wear Rams gear. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we'll be back with our individual podcast. We're going to record this more frequently. We say that all the time, but we really are. It's just been a weird couple of months. It has been. I don't know what we're going to be talking about. Might be college football, might be college basketball. Hopefully, it will be college basketball. Might be uh, movies. Who knows? It's, it's a weird time. Thank you to everybody that listens. Check out all the written content. Check out everything we have going with the Nuggets and Abs and Broncos and Rockies. You know, we're obviously biased, but I'm, I'm pretty confident saying we have the best pro coverage in the state. You know, easily. Come yeah. at us. Thank you.